Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a mom and the founder and chief creative officer of Author Accelerator. I'm Melanie. I'm a mom and a writer, and I'm pitching my first novel. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm a mom and a writer pitching my first middle grades novel. Welcome to Mom Writes. This season is all about the ups and downs of pitching. Join us as we prepare to pitch, weather rejections, change course, and hopefully celebrate getting agented. Mom Writes, as always, is sponsored by Author Accelerator, a book coach certification company. If you're a writer and you've ever been jealous of the amazing coaching experience that Melanie and I have had over the course of the last two hundred and fifty podcast episodes, why not head over to AuthorAccelerator.com, where they'll match you with one of their certified book coaches based on your project and your goals. The matching service is free. Or if you've ever listened to one of our episodes and thought, man, Jenny's job is the dream. I want to help writers bring their books to life. Well, Author Accelerator also trains book coaches in their certification program. They have courses for coaching fiction and nonfiction and a course on the business of book coaching. You can sign up for their free all about book coaching video series at www.bookcoaches.com forward slash ABC. And now buckle up for this emotional roller coaster on season three of Mom Writes as we take on pitching. Today, we talk about the dreaded query letter. Motivating myself to write my query was pretty painful. I was, to be honest, intimidated by the whole process. It feels like the fate of your book rests upon the shoulders of your query. I mean, you can have the most spectacular manuscript this world has ever known, and it won't matter, because if you don't nail your query, you're toast. So today we look at the status of my query and talk about how to strengthen it and make it better. So welcome back to Mom Writes. All right, we have so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> all, my, all my things down. Um, okay, what should we talk about? Let's talk about, should we talk about your chapter? We can talk about my chapter first. What do you think? That little, like, just the little zhuzhing, was that enough? Oh, my gosh. It was so huge. Did you see how it was so huge? Uh, you know what? Did you write back on the chapter? Because I looked at what you wrote back on the, um, what yeah, is it called? The, the query? Oh, oh. Let me look on my phone then because I want to see. So, so what did you think? Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's the one that says redo, chapter one, redo. Yeah. Um, what's, yeah, what's hard with the way that they're filed in Google, the Google Drive is that you, you can't tell what's what unless you open it. Um, oh, yeah. What I thought is that you killed it. it you killed it. And, and like you, you said, it was, there were tiny little things, but it, especially, especially, especially at the start of a story, you want to know, like, I, I often say, why today? Like, why is this story happening today and not tomorrow or not yesterday? Or like, why today? And so often the answer is, you know, because the author wants it to happen today, you know, like, because mm -hmm. yeah. it's the start of fifth grade. Like, it's, that's why, you know, what are you talking about? It makes about? sense to start there. 
But from the character's point of view, like what's different about today than any other day? And it's that tiny little thing of, of her understanding that, you know, like she's been watching, watching kids go off to school Mm -hmm. and it's now it's her turn. And, and that there is kind of a, um, there's kind of more of a inevitability about it. Like, She's going to get to go to school one day. I don't know. There's kind of a sense, you know? I don't know. I thought it was just, I thought it really locks in that little piece. And then I really like the change with Mr. Rafferty. Um, Oh, good. That they're kind of in cahoots to go. And then the dad is like, yeah, no, you're not going. And then, and then Mr. Rafferty goes anyway, it's super charming. And I think it's, it's, way better for the story rather than you know the the way you had it so which was uh, she had no she had no part in it and I I didn't even see that she had no part in it until you pointed it out Um, well and it's interesting because oftentimes you know like an editor or a book coach will say something like the story's not on the page and people and it's like, what do you mean it's not on the page? It's right there, you know? And and what it means is it's usually really small. It's it's like, I think this was a couple sentences changed or maybe three sentences changed, but it just puts it puts us in her head, right? It puts, it puts us in, she's at the center. It's not like things are acting upon her. She's in it. We're, we're in it with her. So yeah, I just thought it was really great. And, um, yeah, so you can see those comments. There's really nothing. Um, there's really nothing big. But well, I had a whole. It was another one of those things, though, where sometimes you start agonizing over the tiny details. Yeah, and I I tried to reel myself in a little bit yesterday because when I was trying to figure out the what now piece and like, what would her dad say uh, about the kids not. Like, where do the kids go? Like, if she says, why do the kids one day they're getting on the bus and then suddenly they don't get on that bus anymore? Like, why? Well, they must be off. They must go off to be chimney sweeps or something. I went down the rabbit hole of (laughs) what weird jobs can you have in the Victorian era? Oh. Because I wanted him to say something weird, but fitting. Yeah, And I see him as more Victorian than like, say, Regency, like, you know, Mr. Darcy. And so I actually looked up how long did kids go to school in the Victorian era? And do you know, kids only go to school until they were 10 or 11 in the Victorian oh, era. And then they, and then they stopped or something. So he wouldn't think about them if they were rich and they were boys, they would continue schooling. If they were rich and they were girls, they may go to finishing school, but basically they just learned to sew and stitch and embroider. But if you were not rich, you were things like a chimney sweep or a rat catcher or a dog poo collector, or like there were all these like super, super weird, gross, and often inappropriate jobs. That's really, that plays into your whole thing because maybe, maybe not that it's on the page, but maybe the reason he relents and lets her go to school is it's like, well, you know, your real schooling is done here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've had your real schooling. (laughs) 
Like yeah. maybe he thinks of going off to school in the modern world as the equivalent of like, whatever, you're going to go, <laughs> scoop, poop. <laughs> yeah. But I thought how interesting that that would coincide with the age that she is now. Um, yeah. I'm like so freaked out about what you're telling me. That's, that's the way, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know. Me neither. Our kids go to school forever. I mean, and you know what? I would have assumed that kids went to school until they were 18 or 19 or 20 when you were in the Victorian era. I, yeah, I, I never really actually thought about it. What's funny is, I mean, it's actually not funny at all. <laughs> um, I have a friend uh, who has a kid um, who just started college. He was just finishing his first year of college when when COVID hit. And so he had to come home, which is like millions of families experience that, right? And so in the middle of his second semester of college, he had to he had to come home and he had to finish school from home. And then, and then he had summer at home, which was like the weirdest summer ever. And cause it was like the summer, I don't know, that wasn't, or, you know, whatever, but they have had the hardest time. They've had the hardest time because it's like, it is time for you to be not here. here. It's time for you to be like the work that you have to do in the world of figuring yourself out and finding your way. And yeah, breaking for mom and dad is not here. You need to go. <laughs> like they're just really ready for him to go. And, and it's unclear still if that's going to hold, you know? Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting conversation. And, and weirdly, it's one that I've had a lot of talk about with my, my next door neighbor, Monica, who's the only person I haven't socially distanced from. We made a very conscious decision at the beginning of this our kids are the same age. They live literally right next door to us. And we said, if we're going to get through this, the only way we're getting through this is together. And so, you know, they were here last night and I, and we can totally actually use this conversation to transition into my query letter because she works in, in college admissions. She's actually a university professor, but she's also admin and she does a lot with the scholarships for the incoming freshmen. So we've had a lot of talks about like how college is changing and what they're doing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, another part of her job is writing grants. And so she's so funny because she was sitting here last night and I was, I was being like whiny McWinerson about writing the synopsis for my, for my query letter. I just like, I looked at it and I looked at it and then I wrote something and then I beat myself up over it. I was like, oh, this is stupid. This isn't right. And so, you know, I erased it and then I tried it again and I kept walking away and like vacuuming and then coming back and trying it again and then walking away and doing the dishes and coming back and doing it again. And so finally she came over and I was like, will you read it? Will you fix it for me? Will you just, just like, just sit down and just read my whole book really fast so that you can summarize it for me because I obviously can't do this. And she said, you know, what's funny is she writes grants to try and get money for research and for things for the university. And she said, you know, I can sit down and write 25, 30, 50 pages of scientific research like that. But the hardest part is always that cover for the grant where you have 
one or two paragraphs to sell the person on reading the rest of it because it's like, she said, they decide if they want to give you millions of dollars when they read those first couple of paragraphs. And she's like, and it is, and it's the hard, it's the hardest part. It's the worst. It always takes me forever. I always have to redo it. So it kind of made me relax a little because I realized it being hard and not getting it right the first time is kind of part of the process. And it was, it was when we did it for creative live. Yeah. 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 I've had people take 30 drafts of their, of their query letter. And, and you're, Monica's right. It's because it's a sales thing. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not the same kind of writing at all. And what you did that when you showed me was, um, um, and this is super common that you, you just sort of start describing what happened. This is Mm -hmm. what happens. And what we want is like, what's the story about, right? Like what's the big idea that this story is about? And, and this girl who's going off to school wants to make a friend, but she's got this massive albatross, which is her family's wackadoodle, right? Like it's really hard to make a friend when your family's wackadoodle. And, and I think, I think in many ways, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't every kid sort of feel like their family's whacked? Oh, yeah. And I, I remember thinking my dad was just like the goofiest, weirdest dude who, side note, I'm exactly like him. But I remember growing up, like, just thinking like, oh, my God, like, my dad is just crazy. But my friends would come over and they loved him. Like my girlfriends would come out and they're like, hi, Mr. Lamb. You're Mr. Lamb. What are you doing? They always wanted to like draw him into the activity. I'm like, no, he's my dad. Like go away. (laughs) And so I, there's some of that that happens in my story, which I think is a thing that actually happens to all of us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's that whole idea because she's trying to, well, the dad's trying to hide things and mm-hmm. she's trying to hide things, right? There's a lot of keeping of secrets here. They're hiding the same things for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think to just, you just have to step back from what happens and, and the day to day of the story and, mm-hmm. you know, like into what it's really about and, and what she has to confront in a bigger way. So I think all you have to do is think bigger. And mm-hmm. and by the way, this is what I felt when I read your other one, the Creative Life mm-hmm. one. Um, when I, you know, we had the benefit of leaving it for a long time and then coming back to it, and and it felt. Um, and I and I said whatever last episode it was. I said it felt. Um, kind of flat and, and not as exciting as your story feels. And I think it was the same problem. It was like, you were just sort of describing her world, not Mm -hmm. describing her dilemma. Like that's what we want Mm -hmm. is what's, what's her dilemma. So yesterday as Monica and I were looking at this, I found, I don't think it was a book bub email that came through. I think it was scholastic or it was another it was another writerly email thing that was selling books that that came through my email and I just happened to glance at it and 
I, I remember that. It's like, oh, oh, Monica. I was like, listen to this. Listen to how they describe this book. And so it was for um, Darius the Great Deserves Better. Yeah. So remember, Darius the Great was not okay. It's not okay was, was the first one. So it says in the sequel, and it was just, here's the other thing that was really tripping me up earlier. I was trying to make it super, super long. Like I felt, I feel like the last one, the one we wrote for Creative Live was three or four paragraphs. I mean, it was actually quite lengthy. Yeah. And as I started looking at these and I was looking at the backs of some of the books on my shelves and so, you know, I realized now I really, and you even put in some of the materials about pitching, like you're only looking at a really small number of words. Well, and everybody thinks, literally, everybody thinks, my book is the exception. I can't summarize it in four sentences or five sentences. Like they all, you all, you know, always think that and you always can't. (laughs) And here he did it in, I think he's got two sentences. Are you ready? So this is what it said in the email. It says in this sequel, Darius has it all. Three sentences. Darius has it all. He's a junior. He's on the men's varsity soccer team. He has an internship at his favorite tea shop. He is a swoony boyfriend, right? So there was the list of, it looked like everything that happened plot-wise or everything that yeah, he had. Yeah. But then here's the piece. But what if everything he thought he wanted isn't what he needs? And that's ah. it. That's all they have for the book. And so I think you hit on that same, almost that same format in a, in a way when you kind of made notes on what I had going. And so I don't know if you can see where I updated it again at the end. So oh, I took what, just what you did and I did yeah. notes on it. Um, um, I can so read now it out will be loud. radio silence while I read. <laughs> okay. Do you want that instead of me reading it out loud for the listeners? Oh, read it to, for them. I forgot. They could be okay. part of this. They can't see what I've got. All right, so here, here we go. This is what I've got right now. Bernadette Shelves suspects something isn't quite right with her family. Her house is the only one on the street that looks haunted. Her father is a librarian who, who sends letters on parchment rather than text messages. And instead of going to school where she could make friends with neighborhood kids, Bernadette gets tutored by a retired pirate rat. When she finally convinces her father to let her go to school, she's got all the book smarts, she's book smarts she needs to ace fifth grade, but not a clue on how to navigate the savages in the cafeteria, how to blow off teasing without blowing up, or most importantly, how to recognize when someone is a friend and when they aren't. As the school year progresses, Bernadette is forced to accept that maybe she is weird, but in the end, being a 10 is perfect, even if it's a 10 on your weird dial. Oh, that's so good. There's so there's a couple things I would tweak, but I think that that shape is really good. That structure okay. is really good. Do you like it? I do like it, but I still think there's a couple things about it that aren't sitting quite right. But I yeah. don't know if they have to. So so I guess the, part of it was like I liked the opening about she suspected there wasn't something. And, and when you put it in there, I think your, um, your first thing was you said, uh, let me see if I can find where it is, something about she's always suspected something wasn't quite right with her family. 
but really she doesn't know her family's weird until she gets to school. Like she grows up and that's part of, of grappling with who she is, is she has this life that's really extraordinary, but she's grown up feeling like that's just run of the mill normal. Like that's just who she is. And she gets to school and she realizes, no, she really is very, her home life is very different from everyone else's. And that's when it hits her and she realizes, oh, well, in order to fit in and make friends, like I, I've got to cover this up and I've got to change and be somebody who I'm not. Okay. 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 That's and, so she grapples with that through the book. Like she's covering it up. And every time she covers it up and she tries to be somebody else, like she makes her problem worse. And so at the end of the book, she actually stands up for Logan and the thing that makes him different. And that's when she realizes in order to stand up for herself, she needs to accept what makes her different. And she connects with him and they become friends and she sort of is able to flip the switch. Okay. That's yeah. So you're, you'll have to tweak that then how you get, how you get into it. That, Mm -hmm. so the big thing here is to her, her big issue is she thinks she has to hide her weird family in order to be a friend. I mean, it's a terrible way of saying it, but, but, but that's, that's pretty much it, but that's it. So that's what you've got to get in is, is, um, yeah, the opening's not right then. And then the, um, I really like how you describe the dad. He's a librarian who sends letters on parchment rather than, I would say rather than by text, letters on okay. parchment rather than by text. That makes them parallel. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. She gets tutored by a retired private rat. So then the next part you'll fix according to this, this new way. And then the last, the last thing is, um, you've got to keep her family as part of the solution because she's forced to accept that maybe she is weird. So, so does that mean that she, she loves her weird family or that, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's, it starts. She stops, she stops trying to hide them. So in the, when the story wraps up, she actually invites her dad and Mr. Rafferty and the housekeeper, like the Amelia Bedelia, like housekeeper and Logan, she invites everyone on a picnic to the ball field in front of everyone. And they pull up in Mr. Toad's jalopy and it's, it's, you know, all the weird, strange things that she's been trying to hide all along. She brings them out into the open. Okay. That's perfect. So that's what you've got to go to. And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be specific, but it's got to be that instead of trying to, you know, keep it under wraps or hide it, she, she showcases or, you know, whatever the thing is. But, Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to start with the family, you know, that that's what she's trying to hide. You've got to end with that. Um, and it's her, um, it's her. So tell me, does she think she's weird too? Is that part of the issue? So she starts to think she's weird when she gets to school. Yeah. And she, but she sort of, 
she blames it on everybody else, but kind of has this inkling that, mm, no, it's really me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, how can I grow up with this and not be a part of it too? And yeah. So yeah, work within that frame, that framework. And I think that you'll, you'll start getting towards something um, that you love and that, and that captures it. But I think the trick is just to take that step back. It's not, you know, there's the plot, like these are the things that happen. And then there's the story that that's what it's really about. That's what we're trying to capture here. And I think you're on your way to, to capturing it. Um, so what did you think about that second paragraph? Like, I loved that line that you put in about, she's got all the book smarts she needs to ace fifth grade, but not a clue on how to navigate the savages in the cafeteria. I thought that was beautiful. So the reason that I did that was because I was trying to think if a kid hadn't been to school um, or had been homeschooled and then showed up in fifth grade, everybody would be worried about, does she, is she going to keep up? Has she been mm-hmm. properly trained? You know, will she be able to get our whatever science this year? Like I think all the adults and probably the kids would be kind of measuring that. And, and what I was trying to get in is she's been very well schooled. Mr. Rafferty's been a great tutor. Her dad's a very learned man. Like they value education and she's, she like, that's so not a problem. And so I was, I was just trying to kind of get out of the way what would normally be a problem. I think Mm -hmm. Um, that, that this, this is her, you know, the friendship is her huge. Well, and also you said something yesterday or whatever, whatever episode it was, um, where you said, and I think this is really important. Um, the, that the only way she knows about friendship is from all the books she's read. So Uh you can, and that goes to the whole thing. Like you can read 5 million books, but until you actually go out there and do it, it's, you can't know, right? So mm-hmm. it's like that difference between book learning and living. And we're all book people here. We adore books. We think books are everything. But there is a moment when, you know, you can't do it by the book, basically. And so that's what I was trying to get to as well is I, I, in my head, I was trying to think, what are all the books that a very young kid reads about making friends? And they're always so sort of uh, syrupy, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, simplistic, I guess. And like, you know, you've got kids in it. Like those making friends, it's really complicated and risky. So um, that's what I was trying to get in <laughs> is, uh, book smarts are one thing, but mm-hmm. having to go to school and do it totally different thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that sense. I think it's good. So I think put that through the typewriter one more time and okay. just, um, maybe we should end by a reiteration of what, um, cause you're trying to get this little 
very short, you know, pitch, this little um, juicy, fun, enticing pitch. And it's got to do so many things. It's, you know, it's got to showcase your style, your funny, quirky style and the character's funny, quirky style. It's got to get in a sense of what happens, the plot and, you know, what the story is really about. Um, it's got to do all those things. And the, you know, it's this very short little space to entice an agent to want to read, read your pages. And they're whipping through them really fast. Um, I've been asking agents in this time of COVID um, when I, when I speak to them, what their, what their, you know, pitch reading life is like these days. And, you know, they're just like all the rest of us. They've got their kids home and they've got, you know, whatever family crisis is going on because of what's all happened to this or, you know, in and out of school with half on and half, you know, just all the things and um, trying to keep up with the the pitches and, you know, they're still selling books. They still want books. They're still like that. The the machine is still going for sure. But, um, you know, when they sit down to read their 300 queries at the end of the week, when they're exhausted and they're just whipping through, you know, they just, you just want them to go like, Oh, this sounds great. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's just, it's, that's its job is that moment. Do you think it's even more important now that it be short? If they're even more pressed for time, they're even more frantic going through it. The fact, the brevity, I would think would be key. I do. I do. For, for, for fiction, um, for what I would call like contemporary fiction, I think a hundred percent. Um, I, I have been seeing some writers, um, writing historical fiction, feeling the need to tie in their era to what we're going through now. I've seen, you know, like there's a lot of stories right now about the the years leading up to world war two, um, because a lot of people feel similar, um, political, uh, change and, you know, so I'll see people in Aquarius do that. Um, nonfiction, totally different story because I've seen mm-hmm. people have to say, why do we care about this topic now after COVID, right? Yeah. But but I don't think that you have any imperative with this story to, to give so any of those preludes. So I think, yeah, mm-hmm. short and sweet. And, yeah. um, you know, most of all, so my thought is once you get this kind of nailed down, you're going to then do a little paragraph that's more like your comp title because your your comp is so clear. Like when you say you want to be Jasper Ford for kids, you know, and um, super clear. And and then a little thing we talked about that, you know, filled with fan f- fiction for beloved books and the fact that you were a teacher um, and your mom, you know, all those things will come next. But But this part's super short and sweet. Um, so if you want to redo this for, um, well, it's probably going to take you a while. So, um, maybe not 
maybe not next episode, but maybe the one a couple down the road um, <laughs> and get get it, you know, all the pieces really locked in, then I think it'll be ready to go. Yeah, I'll go agonize over it some more. <laughs> yeah, you need some agony time. Let me go make myself suffer the way I make my characters suffer. See, we make characters suffer. You guys just make us suffer. So that's the, <laughs> the parallel. Well, good luck with your suffering. Thank you. Thank you. 